Welcome to another massive edition of VFL 23. We are in week six. My name's Yendi and I'm joined by the voice of VFL football, Brendan Jonty Rhodes. Rhodesy, uh, what a pre-season we've just about concluded, mate. Yeah, pre-season. Pre-season's gone and the countdown is there. I'm in the dark. There, there's. That's what's come behind us. That's what's coming in front. <laughs> We're just about ready to go. And, yeah, it all kicks off on Friday night just down the road from me here at Icon Park, and and we certainly can't wait for it. Absolutely. But it's uh, been a wonderful pre-season, and, and we've appreciated the support from everyone over the last five weeks, heading into week six, as we've uh, we've given you the commentator's view and understanding of the in-depth analysis of uh, the VFLW and the VFL competition. Rosie, you've been the man in the hot seat and you've been all across it. Talk us through some of the results that happened on the weekend. Yeah, well, the, the biggest one that happened uh, over the weekend was North Melbourne. Once again, they, they completed an undefeated preseason as a team that finished in the bottom four last year. They had two impressive wins over Footscray and they played another team who was undefeated in the preseason on Saturday in uh, Williamstown who we were talking up last week and we've been talking up throughout the preseason. And uh, admittedly, they did have one of the best ruckmen of the of the modern era playing for them, the kangaroos <laughs> in Todd Goldstein. Um, but he absolutely put on a show, did big Goldie, got best on ground by a country mile, and the kangaroos won by 68 points, would you believe, over the Seagulls on Saturday. And, and they certainly will go... Uh, will go into the round one with a full head of steam. They kicked the first seven goals of the second quarter to turn a five-point lead into a 43-point advantage at half time, And then Williamstown won the third quarter just to give themselves a little bit of hope. And they kicked another seven goals in the last quarter, North Melbourne. So a, a big, big win for the Kangaroos there. They, uh, they got up 19-14, 128, I think it was. Yeah, to Williamstown, 9-6-60, 13 goal scorers. So that, that is just a massive confidence boost for North Melbourne ahead of their game against Port on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Sammy Lawson, the recruit from Coburg, booted three goals. Hamish Free, who, was, who is their newly drafted ruck prospect, he kicked three goals as well. Uh, and then the AFL guys who didn't get a game, uh, against West Coast on the weekend. They start alongside Goldstein with Dan Howe, Taron Thomas, Aaron Hall, uh, and Blake Drury being their, being their best players at the top of the list. And Callan Dawson, the mid-season pick from Williamstown last year. Uh, Aidan Court also appearing in the best players for North Melbourne. So a great result for them, a 68-point win over Williamstown. They might have trouble getting a game this week in the, uh, in the AFL considering how the boys performed on the weekend. <laughs> Impressive victory, wasn't it, for for North Melbourne building up a a big lead and then hanging on uh, as as West Coast came back at the end. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I, I did tip that one, although I was probably not in the minority uh, with the with the Kangaroos. Good on them. Now, uh, one of the results I caught from last weekend uh, was the pre or the warm up game to the uh, the season opener over at the G. But Richmond and Carlton over at Punt Road, and that was an extraordinary result considering the Tigers were up by plenty at half time and they got rolled in the second half. 
I actually got along to watch this one, uh, Yandy. I haven't had many chances to get along to a pre-season game due to due to other commitments in the summer, but I got there on Thursday and, well, at halftime, it just looked like how far Richmond. They looked really good. Carlton looked completely out of sorts. It was uh, 47 to 12 was the score at the main break. The Blues had only kicked one goal through Paddy Dow at the 10-minute mark of the second quarter, uh, but they just came out after the break and it seemed like they'd swap Guernseys and mm. and Carlton was absolutely dominant. They kicked seven goals, five in the third quarter, the blues to Richmond's two, three and got themselves back within a kick at the last change. And don't tell anyone in those, in the 46 players that played in that game that, uh, that, a practice match means nothing because in the last quarter, both teams were absolutely desperate to win that game. We know Carlton and Richmond don't really like each other too much, um, but they're, but they're going for, um, yeah, they're going for bragging rights heading into the season. And, and the league changed four times in the last quarter in a, in a terrific game of football uh, blues ending up winning 12, 14, 86 to 12, 9, 81, a remarkable finish. Uh, Carlton kicked a behind from Alex Murkov from the boundary, which left Richmond with 30 seconds to try and go coast to coast to get a goal to win the game. As you do, straight up the middle, and there was there was the tower right there in the centre circle. Mark Pitnett took a huge contested mark in the centre circle with about 15 seconds to go to save the day. So maybe, maybe given what we saw a couple of hours later, um, the the Blues AFL team can learn a little bit on how to how to seal out a game right at the end because we saw Richmond do exactly the same thing and get away with the goal in the AFL game to draw it, didn't we? Absolutely, yeah. That was a that was a phenomenal finish and and from what we've seen too, particularly over the preseason, we do see that uh, VFL AFL connection strongly there between all clubs and and when you've got the when, when you've got the AFL and the VFL alignment there, it certainly makes a big difference when uh, when you've got the, the you know, in this case here, you've got the, the two Carlton lists together, the two Richmond lists together. No doubt that uh, both teams will be hitting the drawing board uh, for this weekend and, and looking at how they can better perform uh, in those situations too. Yeah, for sure. Very impressive, Paddy Dow, as I mentioned. Kicked the only goal in the first half. Did okay to keep his team into it, but in the second half, he was the one that really just went out and won the game. He, he ended up with four goals uh, for the game. I would be surprised if he had anywhere under 35 disposals as well. Just a remarkable game to lift his team over the line. Jack Carroll was huge in the first half in particular and very good in the second. So his hands up for an AFL uh, opportunity. The two key defenders in Lockie Plowman and Sam Durden, surprised that they weren't actually in the seniors. But they were they were terrific, especially in the first half when Richmond was bombarding them, uh, as was Brody Kemp uh, down back. Uh, Harry Lemmy, the the new ruck draftee for them, he bobbed up with three goals in the second half too. So so promising signs there for the Blues. Uh, for Richmond, Judson Clark was their best player. I thought had a had a terrific game across half back through the middle, used the ball well. Uh, Garrett McDonough returning from Essendon, very good. And Sam Banks, I thought, was very impressive as well for the Tigers. Uh, Samson Ryan, who almost got a senior game and almost got an AFL game, sorry. Um, he didn't get a lot of the ball, but he looked dangerous whenever it went near him. And he ended up with a couple of goals 
from opportunistic snaps, which you don't see from very often from a 200-centimetre big man. Uh, but, yeah, terrific game of football and plenty to look forward to for both those teams this season. Absolutely. A perfect sign of, uh, of things to come. I think it really set up the big stage for the AFL season opener with an absolute cliffhanger over at Punt Road. Mate, just quickly go through some of the other VFL practice matches we had over the weekend across the, uh, the Saturday and Sunday fixtures. Yeah, I'll run, I'll run through them in chronological order for just to get them through. Brisbane Lions are really looking like one of the teams to beat this year. They carved up Southport for the second time in three weeks, uh, 13-7-85 to 6-12-48. The Sharks only able to kick uh, two goals to three-quarter time uh, in trailing that game by 44 points before winning the last quarter. Uh, Shadow Brain, three goals for the Lions. Jared Lyons, once again their best player, along with Noah Answorth and Wiley Buzzer. Uh, Max Peskid kicked three goals in the last quarter for Southport after the game was done, but showing that he's always going to be dangerous. Don't worry too much about Southport. They'll be they'll be still around the mark. Um, another big comeback from over at Moorabbin at RSCA Park, Werribee and Sandringham. Sandringham in complete control at half time. They led uh, by 22 points at the main break, uh, but Werribee kicked five six to no score in the third quarter and then held off a late charge to win by four points, 10-13-73 to the Zebras, 10-9-69. Jesse Clark, Sam Peer, and Emmanuel Ajang were best for Werribee. Sandringham, though, promising performance given how many players are out injured on the St Kilda list, 14. Uh, The Saints winning in the AFL and very nearly winning in the VFL shows that they might have a little bit more depth than than we potentially predicted so keep an eye out for them. Uh, Collingwood and Geelong, a tight game at the AIA Centre on Saturday, went the way of the Magpies uh, in a close finish. Geelong came back from 17 points down at three-quarter time. Uh, Collingwood winning by six, 10-5-65 to 8-11-59. Ash Johnson, the star out of that game for the Magpies, kicking four of his team's uh, 10 goals. Uh, and Ollie Dempsey, who I think might have got an AFL debut last year for Geelong and their new academy uh, boy, local boy, Ted Clowesey, Category B rookie, were their best players. Uh, very impressive win for the Northern Bull Ants, getting themselves over the line by 30 points against Frankston. Uh, we don't have a hell of a lot of details from that one, unfortunately, but the Bull Ants led all day 11-15-81 to Frankston 7-9-51. So, so, once again, it's been a solid preseason from the Bull Ants. They finally got their win. And, uh, yeah, some confidence for them to take into the season against Richmond uh, on Sunday in the TV game. Absolutely. Well, they're certainly going to be one of the big movers here in this competition after a frustrating season last year. And uh, But, you know, you look at that fixture too, Frankston and, uh, and Northern Bull Ants, you do want to see both teams really step up and uh, improve over the course of season 2023. So the form that both teams have shown in the off-season, it's looking very promising. Yeah, unfortunately no scores from the Frankston Academy game against Bo Morris, which was the second game played uh, on that day out at the Linen House. Uh, Footscray, look out for Footscray. Lost twice to North Melbourne in the pre-season, but they took on... A reasonably strengthened Casey Demons. The Demons missing some of their VFL-listed players, but plenty of AFL players running around. And Footscray won by 71 points against the reigning Premiers, would you believe? 
Wow. Uh, they keep they led by one point at quarter time. They extended that to uh, 23 at half time, but six goals won to three points in the third quarter, and then another five goals to three in the last blew it wide open. Uh, 18 11 119 to Casey Demon 7 6 48. Robbie McCoom with three goals for Footscray and Josh Shackey uh, with three goals for Casey uh, in his first game there. But the Dogs with, I think it was three or three, six, nine, twelve. They had 13 goal scorers as well in their game, Footscray. So very, very good result for them. And given that the two teams play a game this Saturday afternoon uh, <laughs> out at Casey Fields with the Demons unfurling the Premiership flag, it certainly puts a, a really good spin on that one, and it's one I can't wait to. It's the it's my game for broadcast this weekend on uh, on Clutch TV and AFL.com.au uh, from two o'clock on Saturday afternoon uh, with the great Darren Parkin mm-hmm. as well. So we're look, looking forward to that, and, and there's really something uh, to look forward to now after that result. Absolutely, and the uh, the other game on the Saturday too, mate. Uh, Gold Coast did it pretty easy against Sydney University. Alex Sexton on fire with six goals. And Ned Moyle, um, probably a bit of an underrated ruckman in the uh, in the Suns lineup, but he had an outstanding day. Yeah, more in, more information from you that, uh, than I've got there, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the, Sun, the Suns could only give me a final score and uh, reckon they didn't record any other details. But that final score, 21-24, 150 for the Suns over to Sydney University, 3-7-25. So... A 125-point win there for the Suns. And a, a, even though Sydney Uni are not the team they were when they were in the NEFL, uh, that's a good confidence booster for the Suns uh, heading in. Uh, GWS, a big win over Sydney on Sunday morning in their last practice match, 13-9-87 to the Swans, 6-8-44. Again, minimal details out of that game, but I can tell uh, excited Giants fans that Aaron Cadman, the number one draft pick, uh, booted six goals in the game, which gives him 10 in two weeks. So his, his hand is well and truly up for an AFL debut. Whether it's as soon as this weekend's trip to West Coast, I, I don't know, but he's certainly not going to be far away if he keeps putting up uh, numbers like that in the VFL. And Box Hill Hawks, who, of course, were well, well beaten by Williamstown last week, they bounced back. They came from behind at three-quarter time with six goals to two in the last quarter to beat Essendon at the NEC hangar. Box Hill, 14-8-92 over the Bombers, 11-11-77. Max Ramsden, the mid-season draft selection from last year, kicked three goals for the Hawks. Uh, a good result for them heading into round one as well. Simply exciting and a great finale. A big four weeks of VFL practice matches. And uh, we also had some matches in the VFL W made as the season hots up uh, for this weekend's season opener. Tell us a little bit about what happened over the weekend. Yeah, just the one match, in fact, in the last That's weekend right. before the season starts. And it was Williamstown who completed an undefeated preseason, three from three, which they would be absolutely delighted about considering they've only won two and a half games during, uh, in each of the past two seasons. Uh, they were scoreless, actually, in the first quarter against the Bulldogs, who who didn't win a game last year, remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dogs led 1-2-8 to no score at quarter time. But Williamstown stepped it up and, and, in fact, did not allow Western Bulldogs to score themselves for the next two terms 
of the game. They kicked three goals, eight themselves. In a low-scoring game, 1-1 each in the last quarter. Williamstown, 4-9-33, beating the Western Bulldogs, 2-3-15 at the Skinner Reserve in Braybrook. Uh, Tegan Brett was best on ground for the Seagulls with two goals. Uh, Talia Wright, Danica DeSanto, and and their key players, they're the real stars of the Williamstown team, Ruby Tripodi, Shani Whiting, and the captain, Aaron Mead, they're the one, they all stood up and got themselves named in the best. So Williamstown undefeated in the preseason, plenty to look forward to, but the Bulldogs are showing some signs in the in the three games that they had that they might not be quite as easy to to push aside as they did last year. Spot on there, mate. And, uh, and, and just in general discussion, mate, uh, I know... The, the landscape of the VFLW is actually changing for the better. Uh, looking at the Box Hill uh, Hawks, they've uh, just some of their recruits coming across. And I want to pump up the ties of uh, one of the, the girls that recruited from Bond University, Annie Muir. We see that she's going to add a, a lot of pace to this uh, this Hawks lineup. I think we're really starting to see, we've spoken about it in the, the uh, earlier editions, about players migrating from the north coming into the competition. We're going to see a lot more depth added here, and I think we're going to see a lot more potential for players getting drafted from this VFLW competition, from players coming from all around the country to be a part of this. You mentioned already last year with what we saw with Sydney, sending some of their players down uh, to be part of this competition. As we embark on the season opener, over this preseason, do you feel like we're actually going to see some really good strong acquisitions and, and and sort of super talent to make this competition bigger and better than what it ever has been before? I think it is. It is. You're, you're exactly right there. Obviously, there's two other strong state league competitions, the same as in the men, in the, uh, in the Sample W and the Waffle W. Both of those competitions are, I think, about four or five weeks in now. Yeah. Uh, it might be might be round four for the Waffle W this week and round four or five for the Sample W. So they play earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might end up seeing a couple of uh, ladies come across from those comps when they when they are completed earlier on in the year. But um, I would still be an advocate for them to to extend the season back out to the back out to its full length. Yep. Uh, giving giving them more games to to promote themselves and push themselves forward for the for the drafts and that sort of thing. And we saw the trade period uh, mm-hmm. finish during uh, finish yet uh, on Monday, in fact, yep. uh, with some with some big results and four top ten draft picks actually changing hands in that trade period, which you, which you just would not <laughs> see in the in the AFL. Um, but yet. VFLW form gets you opportunities like that. And Laura Gardner is the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get a lot of opportunity in the midfield at Geelong in the AFLW, uh, given they had two All-Australians in there in Georgie Prasparkas and Amy McDonald, plus a number one draft pick in Nina Morrison. But um, Laura Gardner, who averaged 35 possessions a game in the VFLW for the Cats last year, uh, and in and had forty nine in one game. Would you believe? Wow! Um, the Sydney Swans parted with pick number one at lunchtime on Monday to get <laughs> her up to the club. So that tells you, like, there's no way that happens if she hasn't done what she did in the in the seven VFLW games that she played that earned her a chance to play just about every game in the last AFLW season for Geelong, uh, and now. 
becomes a, one of the marquee recruits for the for a new team in the Sydney Swans who are looking for their first win in season eight. I wonder if what might happen here with the evolution of the VFLW program, whether we've, we've spoken about potential teams from other states coming in and being part of the, the weekly fixtures, even from a practice match point of view, but I just wonder whether it might put a little bit more added pressure on some of the state league women's programs to up the ante and try and draw more recruiters to some of their games to encourage AFL clubs to draft from them um, over the course of the year? I think as the as the AFLW competition develops, that will change. Yep. In, in the past, the drafts have been state-based at yep. AFLW level, meaning a player from Western Australia uh, could nominate uh, Western Australia and Frio and West Coast would be the only clubs that were allowed to draft her. Same yeah. in South Australia with the Crows and now the Power coming into the competition. Uh, and and Victoria had two zones. You could nominate you could nominate uh, country country Victoria, which would only allow Geelong to pick you up, or you could name all of Victoria uh, or Metro Victoria, which meant the Cats couldn't get you, mm-hmm. or all of Victoria, mm-hmm. which means you could go anywhere there, of course. There is now one more one more category, which is which is the development towards a, a fully uncompromised draft, and that is that players can now nominate to go anywhere in Australia. Um, so they can be drafted from Brisbane to Melbourne, or or to Perth, or, or to wherever to wherever they want, uh, or where, whichever club wants them, because yeah, they say, "Yep, I am willing to move anywhere in Australia to play AFLW football." Mm-hmm. Um, that's the next the next step on from that is obviously the open draft where where there's no local nominations. That's probably still a couple of years away, um, given that the season only runs for ten weeks plus finals, and the and the I, I suppose the earning capacity to get players to move for for fourteen weeks plus a preseason, for, say for six months, mm-hmm. uh, is is not quite really there. They they would need to you know, have a job and that sort of thing throughout the year and especially for the six months that they're not playing football. Uh, but it, but it's on the way. It's mm-hmm. on the way. It's happening quickly. And once we do get that open open draft, then, yes, obviously, uh, the Victorian clubs in particular and and the other state clubs will start looking more interstate to, to get their players. I think the ideal layout over the uh, the next few years with the growth and development of the VFLW, oh, sorry, with the VFL competition, where we've got teams from uh, all up the eastern seaboard, that we would see the VFLW follow the same basis, and essentially you can have uh, have the VFLW and the AFLW seasons run concurrently, and uh, you can have the, the VFLW as your curtain raiser to your AFLW games, much as like what we're seeing with the, with the VFL on the AFL program. Yeah, we, we'd love we'd love to see that, and to make that happen too, the AFLW needs to eventually move into the into the football season bracket, the Mar- the March to September football season bracket, which it will eventually, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, once it once it's fully established as its own product. Um, certainly hope it does mm-hmm. because because it it deserves to be in footy season. That's the that's the way I see it. I understand the um, the argument for wanting to give it clear air away from the away from the AFL competition, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really have clear air because the other sports come in. It's com- 
you know, in the first part of the year and even in the last part of the year, you're competing against cricket, ten- tennis when it was in January uh, and and all that, and the spring racing carnival now, the AFL finals into the spring racing carnival. Um, so that does take eyeballs away from the AFLW competition. So, yeah, that that's what I'd say if they, if they ask me, which they never will, of course. Yeah. Um, play, it, play it from March to September. How good would it be to go to the AFL grand final? Bugger this, uh, bugger this pre-match entertainment off. We yeah. don't need it. We want another football game. Yeah. We want at least one more football game, and that is the AFLW grand final. Bring it on. I think so too. I'm with you. You've been, uh, you're, you're listening to and watching a VFL 23. You've got Rosie, you've got Yendi, you've got the voices of the people that know the game, that analyse the game, that call the game here. And you can catch us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, uh, and uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Radio, all the other platforms. You can catch us right around there. Stick around because after this, we are going to dissect and give our tips for round one of the VFLW season openers before we look at the VFL openers. Stick around after the break. VFL 23, you've got Rosie, the voice of VFL and VFLW footy, and you've got Yandy here, and we're looking at round one, Saturday, March 25, VFLW action, Rosie, it's been a long pre-season, and we've picked the teeth out of it, we've looked at uh, the teams uh, in depth like nothing else before, mate, we kick off with Carlton and Port Melbourne over at Icon Park, how is this one going to go down, mate? Interesting game, isn't it? Carlton's had a good preseason. Uh, it's not a bad way to start, really. Um, Carlton's had a good preseason with a couple of couple of nice wins. You, you don't really know how they're going to go until they get into it. Uh, Port Melbourne finished down the ladder last year, as the Blues did. This is a uh, this is, I believe, it's a bottom four contest from last year. But both teams are expected to improve. Uh, they'd be happy enough with the fixture. Port made the finals, of course, in 2021 before dropping away uh, last year. Um, they had, I think, I think they actually had a game against each other during the preseason. I'll just have a look, a quick look back there. They did, and it was a big win for the Blues on that day back in week one. Carlton uh, 9-7-61 to Port Melbourne three one nineteen. Um, that's a long time ago now, mm. so I don't know how much you read into that. At home, at the same ground, you would expect Carlton to start favourites and and get the job done. But uh, but Port will certainly have taken some some lessons from that, and you expect them to be a lot harder to put away. Absolutely, uh, we'll go through Darabin and Southern Saints. Darabin have been one of the powerhouses of the competition for so long. They take on the Southern Saints, who are the reigning grand finalists. Yeah, first two premierships in the in the VFLW competition in 16 and 17 were won by the Falcons. Uh, they won, I think, 10 in 11 years or 10 in 12 years or something like that, if you count the old VWFL uh, beforehand. It's been a little bit tougher for them in the last two or three years since the AFLW really, really got established. They lost a lot of their superstars to AFLW clubs. Uh, so they've gone down the development pathway uh, they had a they had a 
at least one good win, I think, in the preseason. They'll give themselves a chance against the Southern Saints, who made the grand final last year, but uh, haven't had a, a very good preseason, losing to both the, I think they lost to, yeah, they've lost to the top three teams from last year in the preseason. It's a good, a good challenge for them, given that they're the teams that they're going to be playing twice during the year. Um, you would expect the Saints to win. Mm-hmm. At, at La Trobe University up in Bandura. But, uh, but yes, yeah, certainly uh, certainly Darabin at home will be, will be thinking, yeah, they could be right for the picking, the Saints, given, given the pre-season that they've had. Geelong and North Melbourne over at Deakin University from 2pm. Uh, this is going to be one mighty contest. Yeah, an absolute ripper again. Both, both teams finished in, the, in that middle bracket. Uh, last year, Geelong was fourth. I think North Melbourne finished seventh. Um, both teams, as we mentioned last week, have got pretty healthy draws, pretty healthy fixtures in the first half of the season. So the momentum that can be gained from winning in round one would be absolutely massive to potentially go on and be four, five, six, maybe even seven, zero. And and if you do that, you're playing finals. It's as simple as that. So <laughs> so that's how important this contest is for both these teams. Pretty hard to tip against Geelong down there, uh, although their record, the VFLW record, is not quite as uh, as healthy at uh, at Deakin Uni as it is um, as it is for maybe the teams that play at Cadinia Park. But yeah, I'm, I'm going for the Cats, but there's not going to be much in it. Collingwood and Williamstown at 2pm at Victoria Park. This will be the game that is the main event of Saturday afternoon football over Victoria Park with the VFL being played beforehand. Your quick tip on this one, mate? Yeah, no question about that one. A really huge game, this uh, Williamstown, as we said, a uh, an undefeated pre-season. Collingwood's been a powerhouse for the last couple of years. Uh, haven't been that good in the in the preseason comp. So if if uh, Williamstown can go out there and and get the points against the Magpies, um, yeah, that would be a massive boost and would really frank what what they've done, what Liam Kavanagh has done during the off season. Um, it's pretty hard. It, I, I still am going to tip Collingwood. Um, go with established season season form over the last couple of years. But it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see Williamstown make a statement and say, hey, we're not going to be a bottom four this team this year. We're going to be one to watch. Sunday morning football over at the Hangar. It's the Bombers and the Hawks. And that is the uh, the, the precursor to the VFL game. Uh, the Bombers, well, if, uh, they're the reigning premiers. They'll get a chance to unfurl their flag and fittingly against the Hawks. And being a Bombers man, I would like to see them beat the Hawks in back-to-back games after what happened in the AFL last weekend. But Box Hill Hawks, I'm getting behind my girl Annie Muir from Bond University up here in uh, on the Gold Coast. She's going to have an absolute blinder and she's going to settle in. But the Bombers are going to be a tad too strong. Yeah, a great VFLW match of the round this one. It's mm-hmm. the, uh, all, all games are being live-streamed this year yeah. on, the, on the AFL.com.au. Um, this is the this is the feature game of the weekend between the reigning premiers and the team that finished second after the home and away season. Um, of course, they were called Hawthorne last year. They're now called Box Hill, as we know. Uh, Hawthorne had a good win over Essendon in a uh, Box Hill had a good win over Essendon in the preseason. Um, on 
ground two weeks ago. Uh, so they're, they're certainly going to be confident. They've got nothing to lose. Uh, four goals to Matty Boyd on that day, the recruit from Geelong. Yeah, Essendon haven't been travelling that great. They got over the line in a couple of close ones. Um, a new look sort of team. Oh, geez, I'm really wanting to tip Box Hill, but you can't go against a side that was undefeated last year. So, so Essendon in a thriller. And last one, Western Bulldogs v the Casey Demons over at Mars Stadium over Ballarat. Yeah, heading out into the country for this one. And the the preliminary finalists from last year who had a good preseason, nearly beat Essendon, did beat the Southern Saints. Uh, they'll be winning. They'll be winning this one against the Western Bulldogs. They've shown a little bit of improvement, as we've mentioned, Western Bulldogs. But uh, I think they've got a long way still to come if they're going to challenge one of the one of the likely premiership favourites in the Casey Demons. So the Demons to win this one pretty comfortably. But women's footy fans, this this is your, this is your only opportunity in Ballarat to see the to see the VFLW this year. So get out there at uh, at twelve thirty on Sunday afternoon. Uh, to Mars Stadium, get behind your Bulldogs, and if you're a, and if you're a Demon supporter, of course, get behind your Demons. Uh, but yeah, hopefully they put on a good contest out there on Sunday. Geared up for the season opener of the VFL round one action, and we cross over to Icon Park. We've got Carlton v Geelong, 6:05 p.m. Rosie, what are your thoughts on how this game will go through? What a way to start the season, hey? Uh, a team who was really flying at the end of last year, Carlton, charged into the finals in in exciting fashion, won a final nearly beat the Brisbane Lions in the second week. And they've had a really good preseason as well, which which we spoke about earlier in the show um, when they came from well behind to beat Richmond last Thursday night in their last practice match. It showed that, uh, that it does still mean plenty to them. Don't, don't make any doubt about that. Geelong, they, they uh, had a reasonable preseason, didn't get the wins necessarily that they would have liked. Uh, Carlton at home, in good form on Friday night, 7.05. I'll be there, uh, not on air at this stage, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> but I'll be I'll be there having a having a good look at the contest. And I, I think Carlton will win. I think they look like a, a good team and and they're going to be up around the mark again this year. So I'm I'm going for the blues to win by probably around about three goals. I'm with you there, mate. I think the way Carlton performed on uh, Thursday night last week, winning form is good form, despite the fact that it's practice matches, but it's how you come from behind, trailing by a lot at half-time and coming back and, uh, and winning and winning in that style. I think a lot for them will depend on what the AFL team decides to do with selection, whether they'll go with the two-punch Ruckman in the ones. Uh, I think Mark Pitnett is so crucial to Carlton winning this game in the VFL. So if he gets the game, uh, he'll... And it be the standalone Ruckman, I think Carlton will just be too strong. He was a, a major difference maker on Thursday night last week and our big stage Friday night football. I think that's going to be massive. Uh, Collingwood and Coburg over at Victoria Park, as we mentioned, that is the uh, well, that is the warm up, I think, to the uh, to the women's game uh, for memory. Um, how do you see this one unfolding? Yes, it is a double header at Victoria Park. 
uh, on Saturday. So, so get out there, Magpie fans. Of course, Coburg in the in the VFL, Williamstown in the VFLW. So hopefully they get a good crowd there. Um, Coburg is, well, they've, they've, uh, haven't had the best of pre-seasons. They haven't had a huge turnover of experienced players. So what you're going to see from Coburg for your fans is, is a young team, a developing team, uh, with no fear and a new, a new game plan with a new coach under Jamie Cassidy McNamara. So it is exciting times for the, for the Lions as they as they embark on a new era, uh, but it's even though Collingwood hasn't had a very good preseason, they got themselves a win last week to get them to sort of kickstart things, and I think they'll be too strong for the Lions, uh, and will get the points by around about that five goal mark. But uh, they they would want to be on because Coburg will keep coming at them, and they do have a pretty useful record off the top of my head at Victoria Park, the Lions. I'm going to back the lines in this one here just to upset the apple cart because I think the competition needs a team like Kobeck to uh, get this early win in the season to kickstart their campaign. If they can get off with some confidence, which I think at Victoria Park, as you said, there is a pretty good record there. It's going to be a big opportunity for them. And, and you know, being a standalone team anyway, I think this is a, this is a great chance to put their front foot forward. We've got a hat trick of games up in Brisbane, which, uh, oh, sorry, up in Queensland, which is challenging from the local calling fraternity because uh, I had the choice of uh, picking which game to cover personally, being the only live caller at the venue itself. And uh, I've, I've chosen uh, Southport and, uh, and Sandringham, and that's the game we'll, uh, we'll start off with first. It's a little bit of a later start. Southport and Sandy, that's, uh, <laughs> that's going to be a massive contest, particularly given Southport's form in the off-season, hasn't been as appetising as what you expect from the uh, from the reigning grand finals. And Sandy, they haven't been too bad in the off-season. Well, yeah, well, to be fair, uh, Southport, they've had two games against the Brisbane Lions who we're, who we're considering to be a, a major player. They made the, they finished second in the home and away season. They made the preliminary final. Uh, but the way that they put Southport away in those two games is, was very impressive. Uh, from the Lions' point of view, again, I'm not worried about Southport. They're going to be a very good team once again this year. I expect them to be around about that that top four uh, sort of level again. Sandringham, uh, very competitive. Again, the injuries might be might be causing them some. Mm-hmm. It is going to to bite them at some stage, and perhaps an interstate trip uh, could be what happens there. So I'm backing Southport to win. Uh, pretty comfortably, but they'd be wanting to play. They'd be wanting to play better football than they have done so far in the preseason. And I guess when we allude to the fact that the the injury front, we're talking about the uh, the St Kilda Footy Club, who have, this week have had a couple of uh, key injuries uh, in, impact their list. So we're going to see a bit of depth reduced in the Sandringham team. And as we always say, you know, it provides opportunities from players in uh, in nearby competitions. I would hope that we don't see the situation with Sandringham where they might have to travel interstate, where they might have to call on uh, some of uh, the local talent to, to jump in and, and play some roles there, uh, as we saw with with Essendon a few years ago, um, having to draw, uh, getting um, Alex Rance to come in because he was available in the area and a couple of other younger talented players. So hopefully Sandringham can take a bit more of a list. I think the, the, the key for this game, though, is Southport 
once they start strong, if they get away to a four or five goal lead in that first quarter, they're very, very hard to stop. So their, their success uh, in the early part of this season will depend on their start, and they need a good one. Yeah, no question about that. Sandringham only had seven AFL-listed players in that game against Werribee last week. Uh, expect the number to be similar. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll, put, they'll put up a good fight. Don't get me wrong. They always put up a good fight, Sandringham. Um, but, yeah, whether they can do it for four quarters against a quality opposition is going to be the key. There are They are in better shape than Essendon were when they were destroyed by... Uh, by COVID lockdowns in that particular game that you're talking about, yeah. and they will have their, they, as you mentioned, a good opportunity for the for the uh, VFL listed players to prove themselves. Absolutely, a uh, couple of other games up here in Southeast Queensland. Uh, the first VFL game over at Brighton Homes Arena on the official capacity. We've got the Brisbane Lions taking on the Werribee Tigers. Your thoughts? I'm, I'm really interested in this one. This. this... Uh, are going to be my pick to to one of my picks to make the grand final this year. Um, Werribee was my pick to win it last year, and they and they disappeared as we mentioned in previous weeks. They fought back well to beat Sandringham last week, and and they haven't gone too badly in their trips to Queensland over the past couple of years without actually getting over the line. Um, You've got to back the Lions in this one, given the form they're in in those two particular games against the Sharks. Uh, but Werribee, they really need to make a statement early on, and and uh, and if they can go up there and claim claim this scalp, that could set up their whole season. I'm, I'm tipping the Lions to win, but uh, but certainly the Tigers, you would you would expect them to be ready and throw everything at them. Uh, but, yeah, no, Brisbane Lions to win for me. Tommy Grew will be on fire here for uh, for wherever you want a, a, a tremendous uh, asset for the Tigers and expect him to have a standout performance and, and lead by example and uh, and compete against the Lions. Gold Coast Suns play host to Williamstown out on the back oval. Uh, and, uh, that's certainly going to be a, an intriguing contest as well, given that the Suns are coming with a little bit of form. Um, but we're going to be interested to see what happens at AFL selection during the week. Yeah, very much so. It's a it's a completely different blue and gold team that they're running into uh, this week after after the hoops of Sydney Uni to play the to play the sash of Williamstown. No disrespect, of course, to the students, uh, but but Williamstown will put up a a much much more uh, I suppose quality challenge for lack of a for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, gold Coast in good form, preliminary finalists last year. Um, positions in the AFL team on one hand potentially up for grabs because of the fact that they did not perform last Saturday. Um, but on the other hand, the AFL team is going to Perth. Mm-hmm. So they're highly likely, you would think, to take 26 or 27 players over there, which means the the VFL team is probably going to be a little bit below full strength. So that that really opens the door for Williamstown. Uh, I'm I'm going I'm going for the home team again. Uh, not I'm not one to really uh, throw it out there early in the season, but uh, yeah, the Suns to win. But as you mentioned, it depends a lot on selection and how many emergencies the the AFL team actually takes to Perth for their game against the Eagles. 
as to as to whether the Seagulls can uh, can get the job done up there at Ostworld Centre. Casey Demons take on Footscray over at Casey Fields. Now, this is your game, I think, that you've got. Uh, how are you feeling about this one, mate? This is going to be a massive contest. Oh, absolutely jumping out of my skin to finally be back on... <laughs> Uh, finally, be back on the air. It's been a long time since the uh, since the qualifying final weekend last season, um, and yeah, really looking forward to to getting some footy back in again. And this is this is the reigning premiers who lost only one game last year, unfurling the flag against a team who who underachieved. Uh, to be fair, in twenty twenty two, after being undefeated in twenty twenty one. They did finish last season with a full head of steam, consecutive 100-point victories, got them up to a 10th-place finish. They've had a, well, I was going to say they'd had an ordinary pre-season, but over the Casey Demons last week by 12 goals just really puts a puts a, um, a stamp on this game as, as, in my opinion now, the match of the round. And, and I'm absolutely delighted to be, to be lucky enough to be heading out to Casey Fields on Saturday afternoon at two o'clock to have a look at it. Um, I think the Demons turn the tables. I, I'll, it is a point of mine to never pick against Casey Demons at Casey Fields, <laughs> regardless of what's going on. Uh, so I won't be doing it in this game. Um, what you don't know is how much Taylor Whitford held back from Footscray last weekend, knowing that they were playing for points seven days later. But, of course... Um, the Bulldogs might have done the same thing. Mm. They, they've had a they've had a great result, but how much do they still have up their sleeve? Do they play a completely different game plan? Uh, it's just just <laughs> questions everywhere, and they're all going to be answered on Saturday. But demons to win for me at home. And you get to call with the great Darren Park, and although I think he would be uh, just quietly excited to have a chance to call with you, mate. So I've uh, uh, come across Parker a few times, uh, particularly in the off season. Uh, through various other commitments and I know he's a, a quality caller he's chomping at the bit but it's certainly going to be a quality call so make sure you jump on that board with that one there. Uh, the other game over at Arden Street, North Melbourne v Port Melbourne oh, What a game this is too. It, it was probably um, bef- uh, without that Casey Footscray result it was probably going to be my call for match of the round North <laughs> Melbourne as we've mentioned with an undefeated pre-season Port Melbourne intriguing with their new you know, with their new look list, plenty of changes there and, and a stronger list. They've had a good preseason. I expect them to climb the ladder. I expect both teams now to to climb the ladder and, and really be pushing uh, for a spot in the top 10 going into the finals. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> it was I was I was Port Melbourne all the way until until the last couple of weeks when when North Melbourne just kept winning in practice matches. Um, now the borough went down to Williamstown at the start of the preseason. We're closer to the start of the start of the actual year, and North Melbourne has flogged the Seagulls. Do you read anything into that? I don't think we do. Um, yeah, I'm going to pull this one out for the first time this year. <laughs> We're flipping a coin. Flipping We're straight up flipping a coin. Um, I'm going to go for the port. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for the port, but again, that de- well because because we looked at Todd Goldstein. It's the key Correct. one. He will be back in the AFL team with Tristan Sherry uh, going down with injury last week. So they've got to come up with 
got to change their system just a little bit from the team that beat Williamstown. And I think that's where we, we lean just slightly towards Port Melbourne. But there's less than a kick in this one. I'm going to lean more towards North. Uh, their midfield will be quality, regardless of who goes up and, and who comes down. Uh, they've just got so much talent in that team. And I think it is better for the VFL and AFLW competitions itself that North have a little bit of success. And to come up against a red-hot Port Melbourne, who are just a wonderful football club and wonderful entity, it's certainly going to be a great challenge for them. And I'm going to go with them the other way, maybe six points. Turn our attention to... Don't, don't, be, don't, be, don't be surprised. Sorry, sorry, Andy. Don't be surprised if once I see the teams, by the time I get to Friday afternoon and put my, put my tips up on vfl.com.au, that I'm on your side as well. <laughs> That's the beauty about uh, we're at round one and we're already having headaches trying to determine who might uh, get a W on the board earlier on. Sunday afternoon football, Sunday morning football over at Tramway Oval. We've got the Sydney Swans taking on Box Hill. Up and down pre-seasons for both these two teams, haven't they? Um, The Swans obviously would be disappointed by a seven-goal loss to GWS last Sunday morning. And we don't know much about the details, how many they rested, what they what they actually put forward. Uh, and the Box Hill Hawks, well, they've had a, they had a really good win last week, an ordinary loss the week before. Uh, they're going to be up and down as well. We mentioned last week that uh, that they'd lost Benny Kavara for the season uh, to a knee injury. Um, and the, the question is where they're going to find goals from. They found 14 mm-hmm. against, against Essendon in that practice match. And, and 14 is going to win you most games of VFL football. Um, a trip interstate uh, means it makes it a lot tougher. I'm, I'm going for Sydney uh, to win the game, maybe not quite as easily as as I potentially thought before last weekend, but 10.05am uh, at Tramway Oval should be a good game uh, with the with the Swans to get the win and a, cu- a couple more injuries in the AFL team for Hawthorne too, which will, which will create maybe a couple more changes there as well. I think one of the benefits that Hawthorne will take up is that they do play uh, they, they do play Sydney Sydney and Hawthorne and the AFL are over at Sydney this weekend. Correct. So, are, yeah. yeah, so if there's players... They've got ju- their whole squad up there. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, advantageous to them too, Box Hill, is that they're able to, uh, across the weekend, with, with an extended list, they can... Guys that may not have uh, had an opportunity, depends what happens with the sub for Hawthorne, does that player drop back down into the VFL and uh, and try and get some form, some run-up? Um, we'll certainly see what, what, what possibilities will happen there. I'm not going to see an incident of what happened to the NRL uh, last weekend. Um, I know it's a different related sport, but, uh, but in, in my working capacity, we saw a Gold Coast Titans player that didn't get an opportunity to get on the ground. And as soon as the, uh, the win, the, the Titans beat the Storm in an upset, he jumped in an Uber. And flew straight up to Ipswich, went into the VFL equivalent of the competition, jumped straight on the ground and scored a try inside the opening minute. And so I don't know whether we'll have something like that where uh, where a player that might not get an opportunity and he'll come on the ground and um, and have an impact for the Hawks. Yeah, well, with the with the senior game being played second, that probably won't that yeah. probably won't happen. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, that, that's a that's a really interesting story. That one I hadn't I hadn't heard that one down here in Melbourne. But, just but yeah, great great that they yeah. great that they could do that, and it probably would have cost a couple hundred in an Uber to get out to switch as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, they got they got the W two. It was just exciting that the, he's 
a Gold Coast Titans player, and like, well, we need to get some game time, so why not score the opening yeah, try? Can we go and have a run? Why not? Why not? <laughs> uh, no, no, great. Interesting, that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, Richmond v Northern Bullants over at Punt Road. Um, yeah, Tigers for me. Uh, but but uh, four weeks ago, before the preseason started, I held really big concerns for the Northern Bullants about whether they could be competitive this year, given, given all the quality that they've lost. But, again, with the new coach in there in Brodie Holland, who played some terrific AFL football for uh, for Collingwood and uh, and Fremantle? Um, he's he's done his apprenticeship away from the away from the top system at Caroline Springs in particular last year. He's brought a system in. He brought a couple of Caro guys with him, um, and they've had they've had a terrific preseason. To be fair, they've beaten Coburg, they've beaten Frankston, pushed Williamstown. Um, yeah, and they will go in with some confidence. It's a TV game, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, on Channel 7. So, um, yeah, they've got an opportunity to really sell their brand here, the Northern Bullants. And the last time they they played Richmond in a in a feature sort of game was in was in 2021 at Preston City Oval, and they beat them. Mm. Uh, uh, they were one of the teams that they beat Richmond uh, in that year. And yeah, so they they will think that they're a chance, and and if they can come out and play good football, get a good start to the game, and see how they go. Um, we saw Richmond fade against Carlton last Thursday night, so they'll be looking to to remedy that. You, you'd expect Richmond to win if they're going to be a finals team. They've got to be winning these games, but uh, but yeah, they wouldn't want to be. They wouldn't want to be having a uh, a sleep during the game. That's for sure, because the ball ants won't sleep. No, absolutely not. They're going to be one of the big improvers, no doubt about it. I think they're going to take some time under Dutchie's leadership. But what Dutchie has done since he's walked out of, uh, or since he retired from AFL football, uh, even coaching in uh, in regional Victoria and uh, and and of course Metro, as you as you alluded to, I think they they're going to build a good. Good solid list, and they will definitely compete. And you hit the nail on the head earlier on that uh, the, the game on Thursday night is that they were playing for everything in the practice match. And Richmond, they'll be wanting to do everything they can to prevent that replication from happening, where they lose a good lead at halftime and, and roll over. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right in that in that one. Uh, you'd think if they get themselves a six goal lead, the Northern Bull Ants don't. Don't run them down as Carlton did, yeah. but if but if the Bull Ants can sort of stay close and keep the pressure on, then then anything's possible at this level of footy. Final game of round one in the VFL, we got the Bombers taking on the Giants. That's over at the Hangar. Yeah, and this is an this is an interesting one. Uh, I did make a mistake earlier. I said the Gold Coast Suns were travelling to Perth uh, in the AFL. They're actually coming down to Melbourne to play Essendon in the AFL game. And it's the Giants who have got, who are going to Perth, so so that is so it's it's a similar it's a similar situation in that uh, from the previous game, but they might only take, but the Suns might only bring two two players down potentially yeah. um, to Melbourne rather than three or four, and the Giants will probably take four to Perth, mm-hmm. uh, which which affects their chances of coming to to the hangar and, and beating Essendon in the VFL. Um, love to see where Aaron Cadman is 
uh, you know, because the way he started the preseason, as we said, with 10 goals in, in his two preseason games, um, he, he is really making his mark after being the number one draft pick. He's not going to be far away from an AFL game shortly. I don't think Adam Kingsley will rush him in before he's ready, that's for sure. Um, if he if he's in Melbourne, mm-hmm. then the Giants are a big, big chance to win this game. If he's in Perth, then then I think Essendon wins. Uh, I'm I'm still going to lean towards Essendon at home. Uh, picking in round one, it's safer to to pick mostly the home teams and and just see what happens. I, I could be completely shown up, of course, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, Bo- Bombers in a close one. Yeah, in round one, Bo- Bombers in a close one, but. Uh, yeah, if Aaron Cadman's there kicking snags out at the hangar, then then uh, it's it's the Giants who will take a lot of beating. It'll take everything Essendon's got to get over them. We're already seeing the uh, the Cadman factor come in, which is great for Giants fans as they look to uh, to build a quality list under Adam Kinsley in the AFL competition. But that is your VFL Round 1 preview. And, of course, just a reminder, Rhodesy, what game will you have the pleasure of being the Golden Tonsils in again? Uh, it's at uh, Casey Fields on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, uh, 2.05 bounce. Can't wait for that one. The Casey Demons versus Footscray. The Demons unfurling the flag. Uh, when we'll try and get on just a little bit earlier to show Demons fans who can't get out there that, but if you can get there, Casey fans, it's the first time you'll be doing this uh, since uh, in 30 years, in, in nearly 30 years, 1990. Five, I think, was the was the last premiership, or ninety nine, somewhere around that. Nineteen ninety nine, I think, might have been the last premiership for the Casey Demons or Springvale, as they were back yep. then. So, so get out there and watch the flag uh, be unfurled, and then see a terrific game of football. If you can't be there, you've got uh, you've got one of the A teams to you've got the Victorian A team to bring it <laughs> to you, as opposed to the Queensland A team. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's you've got choices, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to uh, listen to Rosie and Parker go toe to toe, or you, at the same time, right, you can at the same time exactly. You can listen to me just go solo uh, between the Sharkies and the uh, and the Zebras. Um, I think you might have some better weather. If you can't pump your own tires up, who, who's going to do it for you? <laughs> well, who do, do you want to listen to uh, to about an hour and a half of uh, Rosie, or do you want to listen to two and a half hours of Yendi? That's uh, completely up to your choice. <laughs> That's what makes this uh, VFL 23 spectacular. We are the voices behind the call that analyse the call, that bring you the call to the people. Rosie, thanks so much for your company here as we uh, we fire up for round one of the VFL and the VFLW competition. I know you're getting excited, mate. Can't wait. I'm absolutely jumping out of my skin. The footy's back. Bring it on. Come on. Come on, VFL. And, uh, yeah, get, get behind your local team, get out to the footy, and, uh, and as, as we just said, if you can't, well, you've got the, you've got the best seat in the house on afl.com.au. Absolutely. You've been listening to the sixth edition of VFL 23. We'll catch you next week.